Today's uh, message is entitled, He is My Peace. On this second week of Advent, we explore the theme of peace. And just like all the other themes of Advent, there's a distinction that needs to be made between the worldly or the human definition and God's definition. For example, last week we talked about how our our hope is contingent upon who we put our faith in. For example, I can hope that my favorite football team wins, but there's no guarantee. My favorite football team was Michigan State. We had a rough year this year. So I can hope, but there's no guarantee. Or I can hope that the economy gets better, but again, I'm merely resting my faith on someone else's political ideas and promises to change things. But godly hope is different. Because as the Bible states, Romans 5, verse 5, hope does not disappoint. Because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. What this means is that the Holy Spirit comes to live inside believers and disciples of Jesus and continues to affirm God's love and truth and power and grace and His will to us, giving us a sure foundation on which to stand. For He is our hope. And He will not disappoint as long as we keep our focus on Jesus and keep trusting in Him and staying humble, then our eternity is secure. Therefore, our hope will never fail. We can trust Him at His Word to deliver. And so now we come to peace. And just as before, we need to establish how God's peace is different than the peace that humans talk about and seek after. When the angels appeared over Bethlehem to announce the birth of Christ, they shared, as Jerome read, they shared Luke 2.14, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill to men. Let me ask you, how do we interpret that peace? See, many people believe that peace is when everyone gets along. How many people have peace in their family or in their home? Especially at Christmas time, if that's the definition. They believe that peace is when there's no conflict or when there's no war. In fact, in the history of the Roman Empire, there were many wars and much fighting as the empire expanded and conquered new lands across the world. But then for a little more than 200 years, there was a time called Pax Romana, which literally means Roman peace. It was known as the Golden Age of Rome. It's when things were built and invented that strengthened Rome. People look on, they still teach it in the schools. That's called the the time of peace in Rome. But was it really peace? Did all conflicts stop during that time? It depends on whose perspective you're considering. Do you know when Pax Romana was? The time was 27 B.C. to 180 A.D. Does anybody know of any significant world events that happened in the Roman Empire during that time? How about the Roman occupation of Israel? 
where Jews were heavily oppressed and made to pay high and unfair taxes and live under constant fear. Does that sound like a time of peace? How about the birth of Jesus and His life on earth? How about the raging mob of Pharisees and teachers of the law that worked with the Romans to eventually arrest and beat and torture our Savior? before stirring up, stirring up a whole crowd of people to sentence Jesus to death. Does that sound like a time of peace? How about a riotous, a riotous frenzy of angry people who demanded a vicious killer be released instead of showing mercy to a Messiah who was completely innocent? Does that sound like peace? And then after Jesus rose from the dead and ascended into heaven, how about the torturous persecutions of Christians jailing them, dragging them out of their house, beating them, stabbing them, chopping off their heads, skinning them alive, boiling them in hot oil. And that's just what they did to the apostles. Many other disciples and followers of Jesus during this Pax Romana Many Christians were sawn in half, burned at the stake, and then put on an infield of an arena and watched by tens of thousands of cheering people as these Christians were devoured by lions and leopards and wild boars. And yet still today, people call this a time of peace. So I ask you, since peace is our theme today, who gets to define peace and from whose perspective? This was certainly not a time of peace for Jews or Christians. So when we talk about peace, do you really think that a biased, uninformed, human's perspective of external peace is what Jesus was meant to bring? Absolutely not. In fact, even today when people talk about world peace or peace within our borders, understand that it's all contingent upon one group's biased or heavy-handed perspective. It doesn't take into account those who live in fear, with no rights, with no voice, and with no peace in their lives. Then what kind of peace would Jesus bring? Why would His name be called, from the prophet Isaiah, why would His name be called the Prince of Peace? The Bible makes it clear that there is a different kind of peace secured through Jesus Christ. Colossians 1, verses 19 and 20. For it pleased the Father that in Him, in Jesus, all the fullness should dwell when He walked this earth and by Him to reconcile all things to Himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of His cross. Jesus made peace through the cross. His dying, His sacrifice appeased God's wrath against sin. Jesus paid the price of sin so that we didn't have to. And upon trusting in His most personal sacrifice, we can have the peace of Jesus as well. What peace? 
the peace of knowing that Jesus is the joy of my salvation. The peace of knowing that He is the Redeemer of my soul. The promise of my forgiveness of my sins. My strength against temptation. My glory and the lifter of my head when I am down. My Lord and my Savior. My ever-present help in time of trouble. He is my peace. Amen? Amen? At the cross, Jesus secured my peace so that as I repent, because I'm not perfect and I blow it all the time, but as I repent and as I turn to Him, I am at peace knowing that I don't earn my salvation. Thank God for that. I receive it by faith. He is my peace. This is what Jesus came to bring. He taught us this through many examples, especially through divine teaching moments that He had with His disciples who were constantly under attack by fear and doubt and confusion, much like what most of us walk through every day. Here is one of these moments. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. On the same day when evening had come, Jesus said to them, let us cross over to the other side. See, at the end of a long day of teaching multitudes, Jesus encourages His entourage to make the trip across the Sea of Galilee. They're all tired. They're all mostly drained. A lot of them probably said, can we just camp here? And He said, no, we're going to push across now. So He persuades them to cross over before nightfall. Mark 4.36 Now when they had left the multitude, they took Him along. They took Jesus along in the boat as He was. And the other little boats were also with Him. Seeking to obey His command, His disciples take Jesus in their boat and begin heading out into the water. Jesus had done His job. He taught all day to hundreds if not thousands of people. Now it was time for His disciples to do their job and to get Him safely across this large body of water to the other side. Verse 37, And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling. Seemingly out of nowhere, a great storm rises up and tosses the boat upon the waves and begins filling the boat with water. You're too far from shore to turn around. And as waves beat upon the boat and ravaged their peace, the disciples begin to worry and fear. And what was Jesus' response to the storm? Verse 38. He was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. God bless you. And they awoke Him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Let me ask you, what caused the disciples to assume that Jesus didn't care about them? Probably the same thing that tempts you to think that Jesus doesn't care about your problems. I don't know what you're going through, what problems you have, or what fears or anxiety you have, but we're all in the same boat. 
Maybe you convince yourself that your life is not important enough to God in comparison to His overall plan. Maybe that's why God hasn't answered your prayer. Maybe you tell yourself you're a sinner. And maybe you tell yourself, I deserve the trials and tragedies that I face. Maybe you believe that God is not involved in the trivial things in our everyday lives. Maybe you even tell yourself that God is not real. Because if there really was a God who loved us, wouldn't He stop all the bad things from happening? Whatever you tell yourselves regarding your assumption about God, because He hasn't come to your rescue yet, understand that you do not fully know Him. And neither did His disciples. They assumed that He didn't care because He was at peace asleep in the boat while the storm was threatening their lives. So they call Him out. Notice that they didn't ask Him to help. Rather, they started to insult His character through complaining and through accusation. It's the same thing that we do when we complain first instead of asking God to intervene. We insult His character. If you're honest, how many times is this you? How many times do you resort to complaining to others because unfair things happen to you? How often do you get an attitude of negativity and doubt and share it with others before you turn to Jesus and ask Him for help? How often do you grow impatient waiting on Jesus to change things in your life and just start making assumptions and accusations instead. If we truly call ourselves Christians, taking on His name, the name of Christ, Christians, why do we give up our peace so quickly at the first sign of trouble or testing? Why do we quickly give in to sin when the devil tempts us to think that God won't notice it if we just act or react wrongly this one time? Why are we so quick to exchange the peace of God which surpasses all understanding for the fear of the world? In whom are we actually putting our trust? Mark 4.39 then he arose, Jesus. And he rebuked the wind. And he said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. I know you've heard this before. But most people don't fully realize what happened here. In fact, even the people who later organized the Bible into chapters and then later added the subheadings failed to see a very significant truth here. You see, most Bibles mark this section as the wind and the wave obey Jesus or Jesus calms the storm. What's wrong with that, you might ask? What's missing is the teaching lesson for the disciples beside the windstorm stopping. You see, Jesus actually gave two commands here. Have you ever considered that the first command, peace, 
was for the hearts and minds of the disciples. And the second command, be still, was for the storm. Do you really believe that Jesus' purpose for crossing the sea was to show His disciples how He could stop storms? If that was the case, how come more Christians are not meteorologists? If they are, they don't work in Michigan. For personal applications, how is that weather miracle alone monumental in their faith walks? It definitely is important. But that's not the main purpose for the trip that Jesus had them go into rough waters. That is why immediately after the storm settled, Jesus turned to His disciples and He said, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? You see, the main point which Jesus had to address first is how we all, this is not about the disciples, it's all of us, we're all in that same boat how we all forfeit our peace at the first sign of trouble. Without peace, there is no foundation for faith. The disciples had spent all day with the Lord, listening to His teaching. Put yourself in this spot. Imagine spending all day listening to, studying, reflecting on, meditating in the Word. And then He directs your path into an opportunity to apply what you've just learned. Can you see the excitement of Jesus? This teacher with His students? He prepares His eager students all day answering all their questions so that He can give them an assignment to apply what they just learned. And He's so confident in what He taught them that He falls asleep giving them a chance to stand in faith and to stand on His Word and to calm others and even the sea if necessary. But then the test starts and they all fail miserably. Jesus was the only one who kept His peace. Everyone else threw their peace overboard along with their faith. They were now filled with worry and anxiety and fear. If they couldn't make a simple trip across the sea with Jesus right there with them, how could they stand up against the Pharisees? How could they cast out demons? How could they walk in the authority of Christ when everyone else doubted the power in His name? If their education with Christ was going to continue the first thing they had to learn was how to hold their peace in Jesus. The same is true for us. When we get rattled because of today's headlines, when we begin complaining when things don't go our way, when we hold anxiety closer to our hearts than His Word, Jesus has to do exactly what He did in that little boat. He has to directly speak to each one of us first and declare peace. And the reason why He's able to do this is because He already has peace. He's not creating that of something. He already has peace. He is my peace. 
Notice what Jesus says when He speaks of the Holy Spirit's role in our lives. Gospel of John, chapter 16, starting at verse 14. He speaks to the Holy Spirit and He says, He will glorify Me. For, for He will take of what is Mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said, He will take of mine and declare it to you. When you are facing challenges on all sides, when you are knee-deep in trouble, when anxiety is knocking at your front door and your back door and your side door, ever been there? Absolutely, we're all there. When that's happening, trust in Jesus. Listen to Him. Allow the Holy Spirit to give you what always exists in the heart of Jesus. His perfect peace. This is what He longs to give you this Christmas season. This is the gift that you can open and enjoy every single day if you are willing to receive it and to walk in it. John 14:27. Jesus said, "Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid." So many times the bulk of our prayers are for external things. Of course we can pray for those things. But when things don't change around us, because many times they don't, on the inside of each of us is where the greater need is. Jesus, Jesus even told us that He doesn't give to us like the world gives. Rather, He deposits His gifts right directly into our hearts. Is it possible that you have not been seeking the perfect gifts that God wants to give you? Is it possible that even right now God has allowed you to walk through your current trial, through your present challenge, through your current unfair circumstance so that you can learn to trust Him more than you ever have? For whatever you are facing right now, for whatever storm of fear, doubt, or negativity that's beating upon your boat right now, take a moment. Turn to Jesus. He is at peace right now in your midst, asking you to trust Him, encouraging you to receive this gift into your heart. Peace. Be still. Be still. And know that I am God. That's what His Word tells us. No matter what happens around you, know that He is your peace. To help remember the kind of peace that He gives, I share this vignette. Two painters were in a contest where each said that they could paint a picture of peace. One painter painted a sunset with the sun going down over the calm water. It all looked very nice in the picture, 
actually had a calming effect. The other painter painted a picture of a storm. In it, the sky was dark and there was thunder and lightning and dark clouds rolling overhead. The picture showed the waves crashing against the rocks. Things looked very chaotic. But down in the corner of the painting, at the bottom, there were two big rocks with a bird in the middle of them. And the bird was singing. That's peace. Peace is where God's calm and tranquility overrule your concerns. He is my peace. John 16.33 Jesus says, These things I have spoken to you that in Me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. In the world you will have unfair things happen to you. In the world you will have difficult times that you cannot explain. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Glory to God in the highest and peace to His people on earth. Can you say that Jesus is your peace? God loves all of us. So great. All of us are here for different reasons. Some are visiting, some are passing through, some are here. Understand that God wanted you to hear that message. Right now, whatever you're going through in life, God wanted you to hear that message. Would you take and receive that gift from God to you? He is your peace. He is my peace. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word and the promise of Your Word, Lord God. And You know what we're going through, each and every one of us. And yet You call us near. Lord God, give us the faith to receive Your peace for our lives so that we can also share that with others as well. We thank You for this time in Your presence. In Your precious name we pray. Amen.